You are listening to the Complete Developer Podcast, the podcast by coders for coders about all aspects of creating your best life as a developer. I'm Will, the accomplished developer and aspiring software architect. And I'm Beej, the advancing journeyman developer. Complete Developer Podcast is supported by listeners like you. We are now on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash complete developer podcast. Dude, you ready to record? Hang on, hang on. Give me a minute. I, I, I just need to put some date stamps on all of our published episodes. This week, we're talking about Parkinson's Law of Triviality or Bike Shedding. We'll first define bike shedding and then talk about situations that might lead to it. We'll also discuss how to avoid it, how to curb it once it started, and how to regain focus after you've lost it through bike shedding. But before we get started, Will, what have you been fighting this week? Well, um, I got to use our product for the first two or three days last week. Uh, really? Yeah, for you know, on behalf of a client, um, it was part of my you know part of my training to be able to continue to work on that part of the the system. Mm-hmm. And since then, I have been doing docs. We're working on version <laughs> two of the app that's about to come out. Like we're already planning version two, even though we're trying to finish up testing. And yeah, there's docs everywhere. I've got docs on on all kinds of stuff. Just there's there's so many items, and you know, one or two of them is like it, it looked like it was going to be like sixty hours. It's like, oh no, it's going to be like a hundred hours. Oh wait, it's going to be like a hundred fifty. You know what? Oh, there's all these other things. <laughs> like half a year. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's, it's enormous. So, so that's basically what I've been doing. Like as far as coding last week, I think I read a batch script to do my backups. And I think that was the only actual code that I wrote last week. <laughs> um, it's just, it's all been, you know, digging, dealing with the app. Of course, the app um, is kind of a graphical programming environment for building, you know, for document composition. So it, you're doing programmatic stuff, but you're not writing code. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but that was a lot of fun, and it was, uh, it, it was, it was interesting just seeing how the whole thing worked, and uh, you know, it was, it, it was also neat just seeing the fact that like it was pretty intuitive for me, but it we got to take client data and put it into this thing, and the client's data made me want to just drink heavily (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) because like you're like you got like four spreadsheets open with multiple tabs and you're like clicking between them trying to figure out how one piece correlates to something else and oh but once that was done i got to write docs and i was fine with it which tells you but uh yeah it's you know it's, it's been pretty good so how about you well uh that reminds me that i've been in a planning sprint the last few weeks that's been kind of fun we've been doing a lot of docs today we spent pretty much all day in a meeting creating our team agreement. So that was interesting. Lots of conversations on when we're going to start working and when we're going to end working for the day and that kind of stuff. That's that's weird because, you know, normally the uh, tradition is to create your team disagreement in a meeting. Yeah, well, that's actually. true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But we, we've also been doing uh, a lot of documentation and setting things up and getting, you know, determining what we need to do. Also, I've been sick this past week, which that has not been fun at all. Uh Missed a couple of days of work and a lot of stuff this weekend because I wasn't feeling well. Like I, I've had a very busy weekend planned and canceled everything except for one thing that I went to and that wore me out. Yeah, the developer launchpad event. You looked rough. Oh yeah. When you showed up there, I was like, ooh. Yeah, yeah. I I I went home after that and slept 
for hours. Yeah. So. Speaking of things that make you sick, that's oh, the other yeah. thing. What is up, bankers? So I recently, and by recently, I mean today, learned about this thing called bankers rounding. And this is where at the midpoint or five, it rounds to the nearest even number, whether that's up or down, rather than, you know, what normal people do, which is round up at five. Yeah, that caused me no end of trouble today. Uh, I've talked about some of the converter services that I've written at work, and we had this issue with the results being off by one due to, ultimately due to a rounding error that I just couldn't for the life of me figure out until I tracked down this particular rounding issue. Because C-sharp defaults to bankers rounding. Yeah, and of course, I get the Hangouts message, and I'm like, oh, he's growing up. (laughs) (laughs) You mean just like the spew of profanity? (laughs) Yeah. It's like he got his first gut punch from special rounding. Yeah. I mean, it, and the reason they do that, I mean, there's actually good reason, right? It's, it's, it's because we deal with not actual, like the rounding you were taught in school. There's some uh, fuzziness, and there's also fuzziness in the way that numbers get stored and all that, and the fact that you'll skew one way or another, depending on how you're doing rounding. And so it's an effort to try to avoid that and to reduce the amount of skew and uncertainty in the number. Yeah, that's and, that's all special. Yeah. It, it, until you have to explain to a product owner why what you're giving them is actually more accurate than the system they've been using for 20 years. Yeah, because it's... You know, and, and people that understand it at, you know, the basic level, like you were taught in elementary school for how to round, like, you know, my daughter just went through this not too long ago. And when she was doing that, I was like, you know, I had to look at it because I haven't thought about rounding that way yeah. in a while. And, you know, it, it's it's awkward when somebody tells you you're doing this wrong and you have to start out with, well, actually, <laughs> yeah. like, that's never a good time. But yeah. Uh, I mean, that was that was really tough. I mean, it. It took a, a good chunk of my afternoon yeah, to, I, uh, to figure that out. Because the problem was it was doing what it was told to do. So there wasn't an actual error in the code. And the problem was what I was telling it to do wasn't right, which is where it's really tricky to figure that out. I had to get in there and just like... Well, and you couldn't have gotten it in the immediate window either. Like, no. You know, you, well, you might have seen it if you'd suspected. And that's probably, uh, you know, ultimately what you did, but... The other problem, too, is I don't have access to the intermediaries on the old code. Yeah. So I can't go, okay, this is what it what it is at this level. I only have their output. Right. So, but I will be honest, I debugged that like a pregnant cow moves. Speaking of which, let's get into some IOTs. So this week for IOTs, we have something that Will sent to me. It is called MooCal Calving Sensor. This is a device that you can mount on the tail of a pregnant cow, and it monitors the movements of the cow's body and contractions to determine when she is most likely to give birth to the calf. It then sends a text message through SMS about an hour before the event so that you can actually get there in case the animal gets in trouble. 
uh, or to have a film crew. You know, yeah, you never whatever, know. Whatever. Um, but, you know, I, I grew up in, in a rural area and, you know, you would have people that. In a rural area. Yeah. <laughs> dangle, dangle, rural area, man. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I grew up out in the sticks and we had people that had cows uh, nearby. And when they would calve, if somebody wasn't there, you know, sometimes the cow would get in trouble. You know, sometimes they would die. Yeah. Um, sometimes the if they were being born at night, the calf would get out and coyotes would get them. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, neighborhood dogs, potentially. Yeah. And and so you want to have somebody there just in case there's complications. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that makes perfect sense. I did grow up not as out in the sticks as you, but it wasn't that far to get out to people that had farms. Right. Like, I, I could drive there in less than five minutes. Yeah. And so, I mean, this is this is a big deal just because of the, the number of losses, you know, animal yeah. losses that you get just, you know, from... Uh, predators from, you know, the calf getting stuck and the cow dying, uh, those kind of things. Um, it's also kind of handy to know that, hey, there's a new calf out there because it turns out when you cross the field the next morning, you really want to know. Yeah. You know, like that's, that is not a happy surprise. <laughs> I've never seen a fat man jump a barbed wire fence as fast as I have when a cow was after him. Yeah. Well, I, I don't blame him. It's also a really awesome example of how agriculture and tech is changing the farming industry. It's probably something you don't really hear about a lot in the cities. Yeah. So who's talking to us this week? Well, uh, we grabbed a iTunes review from Chris Gallup said, I've been listening to Complete Developer Podcast weekly for a while now. I look forward to each new episode. These guys are amazing. They always seem to fit tons of valuable content content into every episode. Keep up the great work, Will and BJ. Thanks so much, guys. Hey, thanks, Chris. We really appreciate the kind words and the awesome rating in iTunes. Send us an email to neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com because we've got a Complete Developer water bottle just for you. Guys, if you'd like your very own Complete Developer water bottle, leave us a review in iTunes or comment on the website or any of our social media. We post all our episodes to Twitter, Facebook, Google+, and LinkedIn. We're also on Path and Tumblr. Also known as Parkinson's Law of Triviality, bike shedding is the tendency to focus efforts and time on unimportant details or tasks while more important ones don't get done. And this differs from Parkinson's Law that states work will expand to fill the time allotted for it, though it is similar to that. It's kind of a corollary. Yeah, pretty much. That's how it happens. Mm-hmm. In 1957, C. Northcote Parkinson used the example of a committee planning a nuclear power station. In the example, they spent most of their time discussing and debating the bike shed out behind the facility and not actually planning the nuclear power station. So what causes bike shedding to happen? Well, I mean, it starts with, you know, the way people interact. That's a pretty common one. Something about the way that people interact in a particular environment will tend to promote bike shedding. They may be insecure in their knowledge, their ability, or their position within the company. Yeah, because I don't know how many meetings you've been in like this, but I've been in tons of meetings where there will be people that feel like they might get fired or they feel like other people are advancing faster than them, and they talk. Um, I've worked with several individuals that just cannot land the plane in a meeting. I mean, they just can't get a conversation done, kind of like I'm doing right now. (laughs) (laughs) It works pretty well when you're a podcaster, not so much when you're... um... Well, the podcast expands to fill the time allotted for it. Yes, we we do follow Parkinson's law. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) No, but yeah, I I have, and I've seen this 
in meetings where people obviously had not done the pre-work where everyone was supposed to go through things like go through the backlog before this meeting. Actually read the spec. Yeah. Of course, I've also been in meetings where they were talking about stuff that was either not interesting to me or that I got distracted by something else and had to fight the urge to do this to sound relevant. Yeah. Because it's, you know, this is something that that I do struggle with because I'm a I'm a talker and I have a reputation as a talker, I guess. But it's something that I will do this or I guess I used to do this because now I try not to. Yeah. I mean, and I think part of that is a maturity thing, too, because you start to realize after a while that talking too much is sort of a low status signal. It is. Because you know, if you notice, your boss probably doesn't go on at length very often. You know, they're, they're short about things and then they're done. Yeah. Unless she's excited about something. Yeah. <laughs> like if it's relevant, then they are. But you yeah. know, it's it, they tend to be, you know, the higher up you get, the more likely the length of time you spend talking about something is tuned towards how valuable that thing seems to be to you. Yeah, that makes that makes perfect sense. Another thing is they may be jockeying for a higher position or to knock someone else down. Right. And so you'll nitpick on something that's that's easy that somebody else screwed up on. Because you think about it, if you're writing a spec, for instance, you'll probably spend the most time on the more difficult items because you think that's what you're going to get nailed on. And so somebody that's trying to take you down a peg picks the thing that you probably spent the least amount of time on and that they have to spend the least, spend the least amount of time on to go after you. Yeah, we kind of discussed this a little bit with uh, a recent episode on what is a bug. Yeah. Because I've seen this where QA, when they don't understand what the app is supposed to do or where they haven't done the work of understanding the acceptance criteria, yeah, will go in and create a bunch of bugs around, you know, the location of a button and yeah. the wording of this or that. I don't like the interpolation mode on this linear gradient. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, like, I don't even know how to change that. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. And th- these are things that you'll, you'll see. Another thing is when they know too much minutia. Right. Well, like interpolation modes yeah. on, on buttons. This should really be bicubic interpolation. I don't understand why you used linear. Like, what's wrong with you? Are you like 2004? You know, another thing is when yeah. you have someone who is a subject matter expert coming in, you know, the, into a planning meeting and they go way off topic into the details of their job. Yeah. And you're like, okay, that. You're trying not to be rude because you you ask them to come to the meeting to help you understand what you're building for them. But you're also like, all right, this is nothing to do with what we're building. And I've actually been this guy um, in a conversation about database design. Oh, I bet you were in a conversation about database design. Uh, You are when I talk to you about databases. And uh, databases are beautiful, man. (laughs) Sometimes I just want to be a DBA, like legitimately, but... Yeah, we, you know, we were, we were talking and it was, we were talking about, you know, well, how do we need to index this table? Right. And we're going into the, like the minutia of like how the B tree is laid out and all this kind of stuff. And one of the guys goes, how many records are going to be in that table? So I don't know, 50 or 60. And then it got real quiet and everybody's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter if you loop, if you did a scan, you know, yeah. it's really under load. Like it's not going to matter. <laughs> 
and this wasn't you know this was some little piddly like i think it was like a it was like a database that was living on a client's machine like their personal little thing that yeah. they're doing and then it syncs up uh-huh. and so it was just completely <laughs> you know like overly bike shedded oh I, I i totally get it i, I i've done that with um with getting into the minutia of implementation with Angular. Yes. Yeah, especially when I was working on the app that where I did a lot of the front end and back end, you know, I I could very easily go off and we we had several times. This is also where I learned a lot about how not to do this. Yeah, and, and the other thing that'll get you too is is when you you go, okay, I, I can't let this slide as you know, the expert in this one thing because, hey, it doesn't matter in this case, but these people are going to hear this and they're going to run with it Yeah. in the cases where it will matter. There is that too. And, and there have been times where there's two developers on the team that I'm on where the two of us will be talking about something and someone else on the team will point out, all right, well, it doesn't really matter that much here. We're like, no, it doesn't matter here. You're right. But we need to do this right this time because later on, yeah, it will matter. Yeah, and, and that and people that does copy come and up. paste code. Yeah, yeah. Another big thing that causes bike shedding is the organizational structure, and this can create problems that lead to bike shedding. Yeah, um, especially like if you have two disparate teams, like you have a, a DBA team and a you know web app development team or you know a front end and back end team I'm actually worked at one company here in town and I don't know if it's still this way but but I found out they actually have two different development teams separate like two different management hierarchies oh wow from like the top down and they each have their own IT department cuz they don't trust each other if you want to see a dysfunctional organization wow <laughs> yeah that's that's I mean I, I you can't fix that, right? And so that will lead to um, pretty significant, you know, bike shedding just because it's it's unclear who's in charge and whose opinion matters. So, just out of curiosity, do a lot of places separate like the front end team and the back end team and the database team? Um, what I see more is, or do you see like one, like two or three teams with a front end, a back end, and a database person? You'll see that, but the other, you'll see like multiple teams with front end and back end people and then the the database person is actually ops mm-hmm. or something like that and they have a completely different command structure and yeah i've seen that and that puts friction in there and also leads to people bike shedding because they got completely they got disparate interests yeah um, and this is a common pattern even like an organizational level like you'll see this with your inside sales people and your support team because the inside salesperson is like, hey, we're, we're going to promise that they're you know, going to deliver this and deliver this and deliver this. And they're judged on their sales numbers, whereas support is judged on their ticket volume and how well they keep it. Well, those two things are at odds. Mm-hmm. You put those two people in the same room planning something, you're going to have bike shedding. Another one is where the target customer or stakeholder is not clear. And, and you and I have both worked on those where... Um, either the target stakeholder or customer isn't clear, or they are aiming for multiple markets. Um, I worked I worked on several um, different startups, including one that I'm still hoping takes off, that had a multi-sided market. So you got to have this thing and this other thing, and it's the interaction of those two things that work together. Um, in this case, it was agricultural, like uh, you know, grain silos and buyers, mm-hmm. and then truckers. And insurance and th- those yeah. like you know, it was like actually like a lot worse. But what happens is is like your your marketing and the way you build your app is you, you, who are you tailoring it for? 
because those people have completely different interests and it's, it's hard to be all things to all people. And so that will definitely put tension in place that causes bike shedding. Also, if the chain of command is not structured or it's not clear who makes decisions on the team, this can be a big point of contention and lead to a lot of in-depth conversations about tiny things that don't really matter. Right. Because you're, you know, everybody's jockeying for position. Like you have to assume Mm -hmm. that the whole Game of Thrones aspect is sort of there. And, uh, you know, I hate to like use that as a metaphor, but Mm -hmm. it's a pretty good commentary on how politics works. It's just not, you know, the knives aren't out. Everybody's jockeying for position and trying to show their value. And when you don't know who's in charge, what ends up happening is you take lower risk positions, which is, hey, we're arguing over the color of this button. Yes, exactly. Not over which enterprise database system we're using. On that note, I would also think that people who are not comfortable in their position, especially if they are in a leadership or more senior position when maybe they're not quite ready for it, would do this. Yes. Where they would focus on these small things because they can come in and they can exert some leadership on that, make some decisions on that. Right. And it's not a risk. They don't look bad. Yeah, because I did this the first time I had, you know, I had management responsibilities. Mm-hmm. And I think everybody goes through that. And yeah, you, you end up, it's, it's the lack, because you know, you're, you're trying to mitigate risk. Yeah. You know, probably you trust your team anyway, and you don't know how to marry those two things. You know where I've seen this the most, and this is, this is going to sound, I guess, a little weird on a development podcast, but I've seen this the most in church groups. That doesn't surprise me. Because something that I noticed, and it used to really frustrate my friends until I you know, explained it to them, but we would have someone come in who, let's say, graduated a few years ahead of us. So we're in high school. They graduated a few years ahead of us. They were asked, hey, will you come back and be a counselor on this youth retreat or something? And I cannot tell you how many times I saw this. The very first time they did it. They had the whip hand, didn't they? Yes. And it was the the people that a couple of years before were the biggest goofballs and the ones getting in trouble are now like super strict and mean. And you're like, people are talking about how much they don't like them. And like, you just got to give them a moment. They have to learn how to lead. Yeah. Well, all dictators are first time dictators. Yeah. For multiple reasons. That's a, that's <laughs> a good point. That's a very good point. But yeah, it, it's it's like that. And that's where I've seen it the most is in those situations where it's their first time in a leadership position. Yeah. Because you don't know what to, you know, you, you don't know what the expectations really are. Mm-hmm. And most of the time people go, okay, well, I'm going to ape what I think somebody's going to do. Yeah. Or what, you know, what I've experienced. Um, another thing that can uh, kind of jump up and bite you is structural problems with the problem you're trying to solve. Things like uh, if the market is changing a lot or it's it's complex, um, you know, the financial markets can kind of be this way. A lot of technology markets can, you know, can kind of work this way. There were, you know, there have been several different major shifts in things like web development and things just in software development in general over the last 20 years that kind of happened before people were ready. Um, I'll give you an example. Um, container technology here recently. Uh, serverless computing, those kind of things, has jumped up and just bitten people because they weren't they weren't prepared for it, and their competitor implemented it, and they didn't. Regulatory environments can change. 
coding best practices might compete with industry requirements um, and standards. So you end up with things like where people think that HIPAA covers stuff that it doesn't. Oh, yeah. I've had those conversations. Um, yeah. I haven't had it as much with HIPAA as with Sarbanes-Oxley. I, I've I legit- had it with HIPAA, but not in the development world because I was in the hospital world for a long time before I, I came here. Yeah. I've had it with Sarbanes-Oxley. I have heard a conversation where someone was justifying getting a vending machine for our floor under Sarbanes-Oxley. And they had this chain of just, and it was something like, well, what if the developers, you know, if they're going to get a snack and they get jumped on the way to the vending machine, it's like, if you have it, if the regular part of the building isn't secure from them getting jumped, they have to go to the parking lot anyway, Goob. What are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) Actually, did it work? Yes, it did. And okay, we, didn't, well, we, didn't say, we didn't argue because we didn't want to walk as far, right? But yeah. I mean, we're all sitting there going, this is the dumbest. Th- like, if this works, this is this is amazing if this works. So we didn't say anything because we wanted a vending machine, but we're just like, wow, okay, man. I can't, I can't say anything because that sounds like the kind of argument that I would make. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> and it would work. Yeah. And it totally worked, but it was just, it was, it was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so you'll you'll see this with with those kind of environments, and they'll they'll argue over whether the the vending machine needs to be up here or not for for yeah. something like that. I mean, I know that sounds like a really pathological example, but that legit happened to me. <laughs> I could, like, like I'm not arguing that happened because I would do that, <laughs> and they won't argue over whether we have audit trails in the database. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I can see that um, for financials, you know, and it's like uh, guys. Once we got our vending machine, we totally jumped on that, though. I promise. <laughs> sure you did. Hey, we had our Mountain Dew. We were ready. Yeah. Also, fast-paced competitors can cause you to put your focus on areas that you really don't need to have your focus. Right. Because like, if their new app has got some whiz-bang um, you know, new feature, it's very easy to look at that and go, oh, they're going to, you know, they, they added a, a video tab. We're suddenly done in the market until we have a video tab. It's like they they have a video tab, but they don't have any videos, man. You know, or yeah. they have like one that's like, thank you for coming to our video tab. And suddenly everybody else freaks out. Um, this is a really common tactic in, in the software development world. You'll see this with a lot of your big competitors. Like Microsoft did this during the 90s. Um, they're constantly like releasing, you know, actually they, they're still constantly iterating, but they, they, iterate and they immediately drop a press conference and they just get it to blow up all over the web. And what happens? Well, everybody that wants to compete with Microsoft reacts. Well, while they're reacting to it and scrambling around, Microsoft's got a team working moving forward, but they also have another team making the next reaction ready. Yeah. And it's it's military fire in motion in a business context. So they, they get something far enough along to put an initial out there to get the reaction. Yes. And like I, even I would even bet far enough along to throw out a beta would cause a reaction. Yeah. While everyone else is scrambling and probably spending more time scrambling than actually being productive. Yeah. Microsoft is being productive. Because if you can make somebody react, they, what do they do? They drop what they're doing. Yeah. And they go do the other thing. Because what they're doing may have been something that would have caused them to sell better. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally follow that. And I mean, it's a brilliant marketing strategy. And I don't want to pick on Microsoft because Microsoft does it, Google does it, Amazon does it, Facebook does it. Oh, yeah. You know, everybody does this. It's just the example you used was Microsoft. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, like the, the most brilliant execution of it that I've seen was Microsoft. Yeah. Like 
for like 20 years. Yeah, yeah. And actually, I think they're they're kind of curb stomping a lot of the others the same way. Apple is real good at this. Like the, oh, Apple's phenomenal. Their push on the on privacy here lately. All these other companies that have been just kind of they've been farting around and not really doing anything, and all of a sudden, you know, iOS is changing some things, and they're you know like. Uh, was it Safari has said, you know, hey, we're we're not going to let them do tracking cookies anymore. And some of these, you know, privacy type things, everybody else is going, uh, you know, and they're yeah, freezing. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's really smart. But if you're on the other end of that, you'll bike shed things mm-hmm. to try to figure out how to beat that versus working on the core thing. So you're going to want to avoid or try to prevent bike shedding. There's a few ways to do this. First off, knowing is half the battle. Knowing that bike shedding exists you know that you need to anticipate it. Now you know you're looking for it and you can better plan for it and better anticipate it. Right. Because like, if you know the warning signs, mm-hmm. you can mitigate those before they become, you know, forewarnings. Yeah. <laughs> That's the best way to put it. And also inform your team about them. You know, when you're working, especially if you're in the leadership position, warn your team, hey, this could happen. And... Set expectations, especially around the time on how long you're going to discuss things in meetings. Right. And that, you know, that's why like an agile, you know, the morning stand up meetings, that's why it's as short of a time as it is. That's why I tell you to stand up Mm -hmm. is so that you don't bike shed every day. Yeah. That morning stand up should literally be, I worked on these line items yesterday. I'm going to work on these line items today. This is what's preventing me from getting my job done. Right. And bike shedding is, hey, let's go into the minutia while the rest of the team sits and listens. That sucks. Not that I've ever had that life experience at any time in, say, the last 20 years. (laughs) I I fortunately work on a team that is really great at self-regulating. We had a conversation today about this and said that the the shortest meeting we've had, so far as a stand-up, was three minutes. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Where everyone got... Everything they had to do, or had to say about what they were doing, said in three minutes. Normally, I mean, that was very rare because I think we were in meetings all day for two days in a row. So it was like, was in meetings yesterday, was am in meetings today, no impediments. <laughs> yeah, know? other than meetings. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was one of those, but um, the uh, most of the time they're around five to eight minutes long. And that includes the, hi, everyone, how are you this morning? Yeah, and the other thing that will help too is if you plan for you know both the simple and the complex issues beforehand, mm-hmm. and you know actually make your team aware of hey th- these things may be issues coming up because the the other thing that will happen with with the bike shedding type thing is when people don't have time to prepare, then you get you get people arguing and get their backs up. Whereas if they come in and they go hey here's here's what I'm seeing and I've thought about it on my own versus reacting to you suggesting it. That tends to cut a lot of the tension. If you're going to have something like a backlog refinement meeting, all the team members need to have gone through the stories that you're going to be covering in that meeting. You know, they need to to at least have reviewed them. Don't have to have looked at every item in the backlog, but at least gone through the accepted stories, the ones that are going through the refinement process and have their list of questions before they come to the meeting. Right. Also, as you're going through it, if something comes up that is a trivial issue, assign that to an individual or a subgroup 
Yeah, because the th- part of the deal like uh, with bike shedding is, is all the stuff where somebody's trying to prove themselves. Cool. Go prove yourself on this. And other people will prove themselves on these other things. Now we're done. We yeah. go pr- all prove ourselves together and we all win. It's cool. And avoid bike shedding by planning on this happening. If you know that someone is going to have an issue with the way something is done, or if there is a minutia about the way something's done on the front end, go into the meeting and say to the front end developer, hey, before we get into it, would you look into this? And at the next meeting, we can discuss it. And that way, that addresses the issue before it becomes an issue. Yeah. And the other thing I've I've done a few times successfully is if somebody got tangled on minutia before, for instance, you know, if somebody were to say, oh, I don't like the interpolation method that you used on generating this gradient, then I'm like, hey, this person's got a good eye for CSS. They can do all of it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I do that too. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's either because it's one of two things happens, right? Either they they're they're that way because they enjoy it. And that's the best person to put on that thing. Uh huh. Or B, well, they need to suffer for what they did last time. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like either way, the, the thing is fine. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So you may not be able to prevent or avoid bike shedding. Or you may come in after it's already in progress. Right. So you, you come in and you need to cut it down or curb your bike shedding. Some ways to do this start with creating a self-regulating environment. You want to have team members with the ability and the comfort level to call each other out when they go too long on an issue. Yeah. And the best way to do this is to hand out bullhorns. <laughs> no, don't don't actually do that. Actually, if you do that successfully, uh, email us and we'll send you a water bottle. Yeah, totally. Uh, seriously, though, we do this at work. And this is why we have such short meetings for our stand-ups because... We call each other out. If I go off topic, you know, the the other developer or QA or the BA, anyone will call me out on it yeah. and vice versa. I mean, we we do this for each other and it's not out of a, I'm calling you out. I'm going to be mean. It's a matter of, hey, this is off topic. Can we table it till after the meeting? Yeah. Can we not have 10 developers at developer wages spend 15 minutes listening to this? Yeah. Because that's two and a half wasted man hours. Mm-hmm. Exactly. The other thing is, if members aren't comfortable calling each other out, then leadership needs to set the pace for the meeting. Yeah. And I've seen this quite a few times. I've brought leadership in and said, yeah. hey, maybe you don't want to get in on this meeting. And you know, when that's going on, that's a very good way to get that problem resolved without you having to really be the bad guy. Yeah, exactly. Um, the next thing you might want to do is remove the distracting influence from the meeting if you can get the most argumentative people onto another project or team, um, I know that sounds kind of harsh, but if you're in a bigger organization, sometimes that's not a bad way to go. Um, especially if they're really opinionated and you're like, Hey, like they'll work perfectly on this other project, especially if it's a smaller one, just get them over there. Uh, you know, and that, that ends the problem. Another thing you can do is to bring in some more focused members. Yeah. Change the norms. Yeah. I know that's one of the reasons that, I got brought into a project when we had a developer leave. Like they, they only needed an API developer for one sprint, but I got brought onto that team because of my ability to focus. Yeah. And I got the nickname of Thor 
for <laughs> dropping the hammer in meetings because I called people out. I was like, hey, this is off topic. We can discuss it after the meeting, but we don't need everybody here for this discussion. Right. And you can do that in such a way that's not rude. You know, like there's there's ways to do it that are rude. Yeah. Definitely. But you can do it in such a way that is not rude, that's polite, and it makes the other person feel like they're valid in their concern and what they want to talk about. But, hey, this isn't the right place for it. We will talk about that in the right place. Yeah. And I mean, you could even you could even phrase it in such a way of, hey, I, I want to get into this with you a little bit more mm-hmm. um, after the meeting, because there's some stuff I want to discuss with you about it before we you know, involve the rest of the team. You can say it like that. And now you're conspiring with them to get them into management. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, like you don't, you don't have to have a conflict out of that. Be willing to change the team's norms, bring somebody in that can do that. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a huge win. Now I liked what you said about changing the team's norms because going from our team dynamics episode, this can cause the team to go back through a storm process. Yeah, it can. And the shakeup a lot of times will still get you out of the mess. Yeah. I mean, it could be, hey, this team needs to go restorm and renorm because it's not getting to that performing stage. Like the and so we need to go back and we need to restorm. And they need to have a little bit of a little bit of a shake up and maybe even a slight amount of conflict just mm-hmm. to get things out of the way. Because a lot of times there's other stuff bubbling under the surface too. And so if you shake it up a little bit, it, it blows off somewhere else other than the team meetings. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, I know that sounds really uh not cynical. It sounds almost like a sociopathic way to deal with it. I don't want it to sound like that, but it's a lot of times these things come out of other situations. And if you shake it up a little bit, it doesn't distract the rest of the team. It's the two people that are having the problem can go have the problem. Or sometimes it's a matter of two people not working well together. So you separate those two people. You know, you put you you take out the most distracting person from that team and you put someone else in. And suddenly that team dynamic changes and you don't have that argumentative. Right. And and that's what you want to do because your, your goal is to get this thing done. Exactly. And finally, you can always table the subject that's being bike shedded for a later discussion. We kind of, we kind of hit on this a little bit with describing how we've handled it in say like a sprint standup with, Hey, this is off topic. Let's talk about it later and that kind of thing. But sometimes the market shifts and you no longer need to discuss a topic. Right. So you may be bike shedding in a meeting and go, hey, let's let's put this off until a later date because we're not getting our work done because of it. And then when you come back to it, you no longer need to discuss it because it's not an issue anymore. Yeah. Or because other things have, you know, just worked out because you'd be surprised how often this comes out of just not really knowing everything that's going on. Yeah, and like the issue may go away because of other parts of the project, or it may go away because dissatisfied personnel go away. Yeah, never underestimate the damage that a dissatisfied person can do. Right. And when if you just table stuff, you know, a lot of times if it's that person that's always complaining anyway, they may be gone in six weeks. Exactly. Because they're already ticking you off. They're probably ticking off management, too. And if they're complaining that much, they're not happy. Yeah, so they may go on their own. They may anyway. be they're they are likely already looking somewhere else. Yeah. Also, give the team time to do more research on the topic. And we talked about this a little bit earlier too, with, you know, if it's a small issue, assign it to someone and say, Hey, go go figure this out. But that's what we do a lot where I work now is rather than getting into bike shedding 
in our larger group meetings, we just say, hey, you go learn this, you go figure this out and then present it to the group. Yeah. And sometimes you don't have to tell people, right? If they're really passionate about that one thing and you go, hey, let's table this. They're still thinking about it. Oh, yeah. But now they're not thinking about it out loud where you have to be present. <laughs> and I mean, you know, like I know this, like I sound like a sociopath when I describe this. No, but it's no, just like, that makes sense. Don't be in a situation. I do want to say this, though. Catch yourself. Like you will really stand out to management if you can catch yourself when you start doing this. If you're passionate about something and you realize, hey, I'm drawing attention away from what we really need to be focusing on. And you say, hey, why don't we table this? I'll go do some more research and come back. That shows initiative. Yeah, it does. Makes you look like you are passionate about what you're doing. And it tells management, hey, this person's really got it together. Yeah. And they don't want to waste the rest of the team's time. Yeah. Because ultimately, the manager's job is to get as much throughput out of the team as they can. Yeah. Or to get results. And on that, a team member may find a solution or propose an external resource that solves the problem. Yeah. So or they may go, go around and talk to, you know, the other team members at lunch at different points. And, yeah. And then you, what ends up happening is, is okay, you have this contentious argument and you go, Hey, let's table this. And the one guy that's just really wound up about it goes and starts researching and talks to people and gets their input. And now everybody's invested in it. So the next time you come back, there's no argument. Yeah. I don't know how many times I've seen that. That's that's very true. Yeah, the the people that are most invested are going to be the ones that go find a solution or do, like you said, go around and talk to people. But they'll bring that back and they'll want to win. Right. They'll want their solution to be the one that's chosen. So they're going to f- look for a solution that everyone can be happy with. That's not always the case. I'll be honest with you. I've seen it where person came back with a solution that not everybody was happy with. Yeah. Or, yeah, they, they didn't do that, or that's just not how it worked out. But more likely than not, they're going to go around and try to get buy-in from everybody. Yeah. We've talked about avoiding and kind of curbing it in the moment. Once bike shedding has derailed a meeting or a conversation, how do you regain focus? Well, the first thing you want to do is is bring in the right stakeholders to set the priorities. Yeah, they're going to help to redirect away from the bike shedding or clarify it so that it's no longer a main focus of the conversation. Yeah, and, and you can typically tell when it's the right stakeholders. Notice we said the right ones yeah, um, versus the wrong ones. And the right stakeholders will not have time for bike shedding, right? Like, you know, if you're doing a, a accounting, you know, finance type app, you don't get the accountant, you know, the junior accountant in there. Right. You get the CFO. Yeah, that makes sense. Because that person is squeezed enough on time that they will cut the crap real fast. And the wrong stakeholders will engage in the bike shedding behavior. You know, they're going to perpetuate it and make it worse. I've seen this happen where you get the wrong person in there or you bring in a stakeholder or a subject matter expert into a meeting and they actually make it worse because they get caught up in the minutiae. Yeah, and a lot of times it's different and new minutiae, which is yes. better. Yes, so that is even, oh man, I've seen that happen and it is not pleasant when it does. Well, like, you know, you're, you're talking about, you know, building a financial app. I mean, I've seen it where they're, they want to talk about, you know, encryption of data at rest. And it's like, our database does that. Like, that's the DBA's problem. The DBA isn't here. We're talking about the web UI. 
Well, what yeah. about, you know, well, how do we, you know, handle this for Sarbox and how do we handle this for HIPAA and how do we ha- handle this for PCI compliance? It's like, you know, how do we handle the in- encryption at risk? Like, and they just keep, they come back to it like a tetherball. If you've got that person, that's the wrong stakeholder. That's yeah. not what we're talking about. You've got to get somebody that doesn't do that. That That's the point where you end the meeting, thank them for their time and tell them, we're going to get the right people to talk to you about your concerns and schedule another meeting. And I always like to say, you know, congratulations, you are the weakest link. <laughs> See, I was talking about how to do it politely. <laughs> Will has to be a jerk about it. <laughs> yeah, you know. Next, you could change the scope or the timeline of the project. And this is uh, sort of a mean thing to do. Yeah. This is where, this is something to do as a last resort, really. Yeah, well, you can you can change scope and timeline, though, right? Yeah. It's, it's and or timeline. Yeah, well, that that's true. But this is still something that you do this when when you can't change out the people on the team. Right. You say, okay, you, version one is due in a month instead of six months. What can you get in there? Yeah. And, oh, by the way, if you burn an hour out of, you know, if you, if you burn five hours out of a month's worth of work, that's a big difference in burning five hours out of a six month. Exactly. Exactly. It's just basically, it's you're kind of whacking the team with a hammer to realign their incentives. Yeah. And, you know, there may be too much time in there to debate and argue about the small things. Yeah. I mean, and, and this, this strategy is very successful. In fact, Darth Vader used this in Return of the Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> he brought in an important stakeholder and he shortened the timeline. And yet the Death Star still blew up. Well, you know, it was, wasn't Enterprise ready, but it still could blow up planets, right? Well, yeah, 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 I guess. I it guess. works. And finally, probably one of the best things that you can do to regain focus is redirect to another difficult problem that the team has to work on. Yeah. I've actually seen my boss do this a few times when, you know, we got, we kind of got wrapped around the axle on like role-based permissions for content editing, you know, a while back. And what he did was he was like, well, there's this other thing we should do. You know, I've been thinking about, and so we just switched to that and we just knocked that out and we've come back. And now this other piece is just there. Oh, exactly. You know, you've got that energy in the room you might as well put it to a positive use. Yeah. Like everybody is wanting to get into the nitty gritty of something. Well, redirect them to something that needs the nitty gritty gotten into. I think that was correct English. <laughs> I am shocked, but it was correct English. <laughs> but you guys, you guys get what I'm saying. Like redirect them. Yeah. Redirect the team to a topic that you need to get that focused on to get that granular. And some of you guys may be thinking, yeah, but I'm just a junior developer. How do I do that? I'm not leadership or anything like that. Guys, even as a junior, you can redirect the conversation. Yeah. In fact, you have a better position to do it because you ask questions. Like a senior developer cannot get away with asking the same questions a junior developer can. Yeah. Like you have leverage there. Now, we have our, our own questions we can ask and get, and get away with it. But as a junior developer, you can get people to explain things pull the conversation right around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there are ways to to redirect the conversation so that no matter where you are if you are a senior, junior, mid-level, if you're a BA, you know, no matter what position you hold within that. I've seen conversations redirected by the QA person going, "Hey, 
how are you guys planning on implementing this so I understand how I'm testing it? Right. You know, and that completely redirected the conversation to something that it needed to be on. And that that was actually really awesome of that particular QA person. So Yeah, and nobody noticed it probably. Yeah, nobody but me and the other developer because we're kind of pedantic like that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and you're also familiar with, you know, psychological techniques, so that kind of makes sense. Yeah, he sent me a message later. He's like, "Do you notice that redirect?" I'm like, "Yeah, that was really cool." <laughs> yeah. It was it was sly. You should get into podcasting. <laughs> Finally, um you have to deal with the aftermath. Once bike shedding has already kind of taken hold, you may have to deal with a team that has gotten used to it. Yeah, because that's their pattern at yeah. that point. That's that's like how things get done. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, people are people are funny creatures because we will put up with stuff that just is completely intolerable to anybody else because it's what we put up with. Oh yeah, I mean this this exact thing happened when I got pulled onto this other team. They had a big problem with bike shedding. Their meetings went for their stand ups were thirty minutes long. That's what ours are. <laughs> and they like they weren't ending at thirty minutes. They only ended because they ran out of time on the call. Ah. And the next team had to take over. So it it, it was one of those things. And then I got brought in for one sprint and was like, oh no. This is not going to happen. Yeah, it doesn't take a whole lot to be a catalyst in that. I mean, that's not you no. bragging. It's just... It's- yeah, yeah, that, that's true. It's, it's not a bragging thing. It's literally a, it doesn't take much to make this change. And sometimes you step into the situation, you're like, oh, uh-oh, I ain't dealing with this. Yeah, or sometimes you just blunder in and you're just there. And the, yeah. your presence fixes it just because it's another person. Right. So what you want to do is... Find the holes in the process that have allowed this to take place. Yeah. And this is what you deal with in your sprint retrospective. Yeah. Like that's that that's what that's for is mm-hmm. finding this stuff. Like, for example, in the team I was talking about, the thing that I noticed was people were getting off topic in what they were saying. So I just started saying, hey, this is off topic. We can talk about it later. Like they were asking questions and having conversations in the stand-up. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Hey, guys, what did, what'd you do? What are you going to do? What impedes you? And then we move on. It's like, we can talk about that other stuff. If you need to talk to me about something after, you know, if you need to talk to me about something, let's talk about it after the meeting. Right. And just by doing that, only with people talking to me, we cut our time down. Like, their meetings went from 30 minutes to 15 to 10 because not only does it fix it when they're talking to you, but it starts to normalize it yeah. as the way that we deal with these things. I mean, once you get people out of a bad pattern, they, they can kind of flourish. Exactly. And that's what happened. So find the holes in the process and fix them. It's, it's funny how this uh, summary just worked out to, yeah, like, okay, did you, did you notice that that hurt? Yeah, stop doing that. <laughs> like, yeah. Stop hitting yourself in the knee with a hammer. Better? Okay, cool. No, 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 no. Don't turn around on the claw. Just don't hit yourself with a hammer anymore. Exactly. And getting at what you were talking about with the retrospective, discuss with the team how to avoid or how to mitigate this in future meetings. Because you then get them involved in it and they have buy-in in the process. So, like, if you have a team member that's like, hey, look, I'm I'm going to this morning meeting and it's it's getting derailed and I'm spending a ton of time you know, with this stuff that's not even my project, but I'm on the team that's, you know, mm-hmm. involved with it, like especially smaller, you know, smaller setups. If you have somebody saying that, the person that's derailing it 
may think about that next time that they're derailing the meeting and not do it. Exactly. Because they legitimately may not you know, be aware of that at that level. Yeah, they, they may not know that they're even derailing it. Yeah. And that's that's what I found with with my situation is the team didn't even realize that they could have their meetings in less than 30 minutes. Yeah. And once they found that out, like after I left, they, they kept that down to 10 minutes. Sometimes well, it went up to 30, but it was the meeting was over and they were having discussions after. So the people that didn't need to be there could go do their jobs. Yeah. And all it took was one person, one junior developer coming in and saying, hey, there's a better way to do this. Working with a group of highly specialized and opinionated people can be difficult and lead to very detailed conversations on topics not relevant or only tangentially relevant to the project you're working on. Know that you or your team may be led off topic when in meetings and prepare for that inevitability. You may not be able to completely avoid bike shedding, but you will be better able to mitigate it and then redirect that energy and drive to a more productive conversation. That pretty much wraps us up. Before we close everything out, Will, what do you have for us this week for Tricks of the Trade? Well, you need to become more comfortable with a little bit of uncertainty, Um, not necessarily a ton of it, but you need to be able to look at a situation and go, okay, instead of... Instead of thinking, okay, I have all the answers. I have to have all the answers before I move. Just get enough answers to go. I don't know how many developers I've seen that will get into this whole bike shedding thing. And part of the deal is, is that they're also afraid that something's going to shift later on in a project. You know, so we've got to plan all the stuff out, right? This was the whole uh, waterfall process. And that doesn't really work very well. It works a whole lot better if instead of doing you know, a, a plan, plan all the things type scenario. You just, you have a general plan for how you're going to get somewhere and a very specific one for a short period of time in front of you. If you do that, you can actually mitigate uncertainty and you can, you can cut down the risk. So this will avoid the, the bike shedding behavior. So I guess the big takeaway I would put here is to become more comfortable with low levels of risk instead of being paranoid and afraid of them. So that's all I've got. If you have a question or comment, please email us at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Standby for Titanfall by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed through Creative Commons. The intro music for IOTs is Hillbilly Hip Hop by Jason Belcher. For references, show notes, and to sign up for weekly emails with extra tips and insights, be sure to check out the website at completedeveloperpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at CompleteDevPod and like our page on Facebook to keep up with news about the show. Look for us each week on Facebook Live before we record each episode. Thanks for listening. See you next time.